0: So when you're selling a commodity, people do ask, what's the potency and what's the price? And that's mm. usually the first question you get with cannabis beverages, too. So if I'm going to hold up a two milligram drink and it costs four dollars wholesale, um, then you're going to get immediate pushback from the retailer. So, hey, guys, welcome to Wine, Whiskey and Wheat Show. This
1: is your host, Sid Patel. I'm here with Paolo Sobral. He's one of the, you know. Uh, Popular cannabis uh, beverage consultant, and I'm sure Paulo can brief us on you know his journey in cannabis. Paulo, thanks for taking the time out here. You know, why don't you just give a little context to our audience on you know how you started in cannabis and uh, what you're up to these days?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, so I started in cannabis in 2016 in the California market. It was still medical only back then. Uh, so I came to cannabis from PepsiCo. And I worked for PepsiCo for nearly six years in various different field sales roles. Um, so I supervise the sales reps that would service Walmart, mass retail stores like that. Uh, so I've seen um, people's passion for beverage brands that they mm-hmm. have an affinity towards. You know, you drop a pallet of Mountain Dew in Southwest Virginia on the first of the month and that pallet gets wiped out quickly. You know, suspected people took baths in it. Um, okay. So I had a CPG background, I know the strength of strong brands, and then I entered cannabis because I personally wasn't passionate about the products I was selling at PepsiCo, Uh, but at the same time, our retail partners didn't really care what my opinion was, they cared about Mm -hmm. what the customers walking in the door uh, were going to buy. Um, So I really wanted to um, sell something I could be more passionate about, and cannabis kind of became... into my orbit in around 2014, mm-hmm. it was always around me, but my friends did it growing up, but I abstained because I thought it was the gateway drug towards a lot of bad things. Um, but around that time, I saw a documentary that it was positioned as a wellness supplement, specifically a father was treating his son with epilepsy with CBD oil, and he's on screen and he's crying and telling, uh, the story about how his son was taking 23 pills a day and he was weaned off all but three. Um, so that put me down a rabbit hole of research, mm-hmm. found out the history of prohibition, the various benefits of cannabis. Uh, and then I got curious enough to try it on myself. And really what made me curious is learning the fact that you can never overdose on cannabis. So said, what's the harm here? Uh, so I tried it by going to a dispensary, getting my medical card, going to a dispensary in, in Bakersfield. And, and this is all an experience that was uh, interesting on itself. Um, but then I came home and made my own edible research online on how to make it, tried it out, kept dialing it back. And I, I just enjoyed it. It was, didn't have a lot of medical benefits to me, unless you count relaxation as a benefit. Yep. But you know, people consume alcohol without it having any functional medical benefits. So I thought there'd be more and more people like me that would educate themselves and then stigmas would get erased. So I also saw the long-term business CPG potential and the fact that, Everyone at Pepsi, well, not everybody, Mm -hmm. but a majority of them thought I was crazy for entering the cannabis industry, told me it was a risk. And the fact that it was a risk told me there was a high potential reward. Mm -hmm. So I entered the industry in 2016 as a brand rep for a vape company uh, Mm -hmm. called Bloom Farms. And uh, I basically just did that to learn the industry and eventually it became uh, the recreational market that it is today in 2018. Um, I pivoted a couple of times the most recent role I had was as the first salesperson at a company called Nanogen, which became Vertosa, mm-hmm. which powers most of the beverages in the California market. Mm-hmm. And they've expanded to other markets, but in, in fact, I just had a chat with Ben uh, yesterday. Oh, right on! And we're going to see him at the Cannabis Beverage Expo yeah, on yeah. the twenty eighth. Assuming yeah. uh, people are listening to this before then. <laughs> yep. Uh, so but... great!
1: I think you, I, I did not know that you work for Vertosa.
0: Yeah, I did. I did. And uh, that's where I saw both the potential of the category, but Mm -hmm. all the real challenges that exist today. Got it. Um, And then Vertosa just does one thing, right? Well, at the time, they did just one thing, and they did it really well, and they wanted to keep their focus there. And we need that one thing. But there's also other challenges in the category that need to be solved, Mm -hmm. Uh, mainly distribution, um, and then adaptation at cannabis retail, because they are slow to pick up beverages. So I started consulting where I can um, assist in those two things, build out solutions and help brands in market with those specific solutions as well. Got it. So let's, let's go there, right? What, what kind of problems are you solving? You know, when you say
1: solutions for the brands, I believe, you know, it can be shelf placement or stacks placement uh, design, or, you know, getting, getting a whole program for a dispensary at national level, or maybe, you know, at an independent level, right? So maybe just give us some examples of, you know uh, what goes on in uh, everything. You know from from the product once it's out, like distribution.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, really quickly, before it even gets made, it's hard just to find a reliable contract manufacturer that's willing mm. to work with THC beverages, um, and that's because your traditional beverage co-packer does not have a license to process THC. Mm. So either they would have to open a separate facility, which is expensive for a small market, or uh, or they would either be consultants for somebody who opens a facility. And to date, um, most of the people who have uploaded beverage facilities do not have an extensive beverage background. That is changing. We are getting more and more that we'll meet at the trade show itself. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's it's hard just to get your beverage first out there first. Now, um, a real story is my first client hired me in January of 2020 and they had a production run scheduled, but they still had yet to find a distributor in California that would be Mm -hmm. willing to take their drinks. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of reasons for that, to distribute drinks, uh, cannabis drinks, you have to have a THC license, Mm -hmm. and traditionally, these distributors are used to moving an ounce of flour that literally weighs an ounce and generates $80 of wholesale revenue. Mm -hmm. So that's how they're set up, and you talk about a case of drinks that weighs 50 pounds and is 30 times the size, and does uh, half the revenue of that one ounce of flour, Mm -hmm. uh, and the sales still aren't there, that's a challenge. So. This time last year, I struggled just to find distributors willing to carry the beverage. Um, mm. So you couldn't even get your product delivered to a retailer by a licensed fulfillment partner uh, without uh, doing a lot of calls and, and selling the distributor first on the potential beverages because they just haven't done it before and they haven't seen the vision. Uh, and then when you get to retail, uh, you know, a lot of retailers don't have loading docks. Um, mm. They're in parts of town where it's even hard to get parking. Um, mm. The van delivering itself isn't optimized for drinks, so it can't make frequent deliveries to that retailer. So they're delivering a lot of drinks at once. There's not space in the back room. Um, and still what's true today in California is a lot of people shopping to dispensaries ask two questions. What's the potency and what's the price? Um, and then the retailer itself, they'll ask me like, uh, why would somebody buy a low dose beverage when they can get a chocolate bar? Now, mm. You're in the beverage industry, you know why they would, uh, I know why they would, we can talk about why they are. But th- there's still just slow adapt- adaptation, both from the distributor and the retail level. Mm. And neither have built out the infrastructure to support drinks. And the sales still are only one to 2% of the category, uh, overall mm. cannabis category. So it's kind of like the chicken and the egg. The sales need to get there for them to build out the infrastructure, but the infrastructure needs to be built out for the sales to get there. Yep, agree. I
1: think I think uh, you know uh, it's just matter of some federal bottlenecks which are there as well. And then once a big brand sort of comes in, you know, I'm, they can really help as well. You know, sometimes with their push of uh, awareness, you know, and sort of the reverse depletion where they create a demand and then finally, you know, consumers walking in with asking that do you carry this beverage uh back on on I agree one hundred percent you know on the on the distribution, I'm trying to understand that uh, is like alcohol, are the distributors really just buying, and then it's their job to open more uh, dispensaries, like a traditional distributor, or then you're just using them as a fulfiller where they just get a cut and you still do the sales at dispensary level.
0: Uh, great question. So it, it really depends on the distributor and how they've set up their team uh, and their okay. operation. So the biggest distributor in California, I believe, is, is Navis. Um, and they will tell you right now that they, they count on the brands to do sales for you. So they are mm. they strictly view themselves as a logistics partner. And and, and they're strengthened that if you can just count on your product getting from point A to point B and the distributor to collect payment for you that takes away a lot of um, headaches for the brand. So the brand can focus on sales and marketing. There are some third-party distribution companies and third-party sales agencies within California mm-hmm. that will tell you they'll, they'll help you um, get into doors. But uh, just from my different experiences with them is they all try really hard, mm-hmm. but they're never gonna sell, and this, this is probably true of alcohol too, they're never gonna sell your, your, your product the way you can sell your product. Mm. So I would just look at them as supplemental support. So really their strength is they already do have a relationship with the retailer. So uh, I used to work at Pepsi and we were a distributor and we did carry third-party brands. And the third-party brands saw the value in Pepsi as a distribution company because we had retail relationships and retail Correct. clout. So we can introduce you to Mr. Retailer and we that way it'd be a joint sales effort where I introduce you to the retailer and you as the brand rep can really talk about the product. And then I can make sure whatever is discussed in that meeting, me being the distributor, gets executed on because I'm in that store once a week or twice a week or whatever the mm-hmm. is. Nice. Uh, what's a good
1: uh, sales uh, call to you? You know, like if you had to give a training to a sales rep, you know, uh, including a practical introduction. Hey, you know, I'm looking for a butt tender or I'm looking for a decision maker. Give me a real spiel, you know, on on what goes on and how you would coach someone.
0: Yeah. So um, so there's uh, cannabis beverages are considered a niche product. Uh, a lot of cannabis sales reps today um, are used to selling commodities, and I, I don't mm. mean that with any negative connotation. But yeah, it's like how
1: craft beer uh, you
0: had to introduce, right? Right, right. So, so when you're selling a commodity, people do ask, "What's the potency and what's the price?" And that's mm. usually the first question you get with cannabis beverages too. So, if I'm going to hold up a two milligram drink and it costs four dollars wholesale. Um, then you're going to get immediate pushback from the retailer. So I like to ask them questions that get them out of the thought process of cannabis. Because to me, a cannabis beverage is just a beverage with cannabis in it. We are forced to sell them into these channels because of regulations. Um, so how do we make the best of it and start to get that retailer to have the same frame of mind that I do? I say, hey, Mr. Retailer, so uh, so this beverage right here, it's, it's, this is CBD, but uh, this is uh, considered like a, a, a rum and coke. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so when would you drink a rum and Coke? Let's say it's um, before you have a dinner or you're going to listen to jazz music. So I would ask them a question like, Hey, do you ever go out to concerts? And they say, yes. What do you typically drink when you're there? And whatever their answer is, then that gets them in the frame of mind of thinking about beverages. Mm -hmm. So if I'm selling a beverage that's meant to be drank at the beach and I ask them what they drink when they're at the beach. And whatever beverage they tell me has a similar flavor profile to the cannabis beverage I'm selling. Then they're really starting to see who we're trying to target with that beverage. We're not trying Mm. to talk somebody out of smoking or dabbing because they're still going to do that anyways. But every single person drinks liquid. Not everybody is going to smoke or dab. So if you you are going to go to the beach it's illegal to drink alcohol there, but now a low dose cannabis beverage might be more appealing. And that's exactly who we're trying to sell it to is the consumer Mm. who is looking for a cannabis occasion in places where it's not socially acceptable to smoke. Or if you're at a party, you don't want to eat a gummy bear and then walk around with empty hands for two hours, right? You got to have that between you and the other party guests to give you some confidence i guess true true uh what, what are the objections that you've seen you know any uh, three or
1: four that comes to mind obviously one is like hey we don't do much of beverages right that that's the most common one i would expect you know the category is still new but what are some other things like i don't have space you know i don't have money you know we, so our budgets are done for the month so just uh, give us some
0: three or four and then give us an answer on how you uh you know uh, handle them well, the, first of all, um, in California specifically, the retail industry is struggling a lot. Um, so, what we're seeing is a lot of retailers are starting to consolidate. So, Meaning we're seeing the, the, the sales are slow. Is that why they're struggling? Like, consumers uh, are not buying? Uh, well, so they do have real competition from the unlicensed market. So uh, whatever, oh, like the depending on... Illegal market, is it? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And, and like in LA, you you literally don't know what's legal and illegal just from walking around on the street. And they might be side by side with each other. It's a real mess. Hmm. Oh. So that, that's putting a, a constraint on the top line revenue of a retailer. But when you get to the bottom line, they're taxed each and every way. They have frequent employee turnover. Uh, and I'm not going to name who it is, but I was talking to a major retailer in, in California, actually talking to one of their investors and they, uh, restricted their buyers from doing any buying for a period of five to six weeks, because for whatever reason, the store was running out of stock of products that that dispensary owned and were in distribution. So there's a lot of challenges in running cannabis retail. I'm saying all that to say that if you're a brand and you're going into a retailer that's on the verge of insolvency, or mm. the manager just quit three days ago, it's going to be tough to sell on your product no matter what. In fact, so, you should not. Yeah. Exactly. So, in that scenario, I say it's probably not, a, honestly, a good use of your resources, meaning your time and money. So, but there are, I have a good list of 20 to 50 retailers that already get beverage and are selling beverage. Um, so, those are the ones I target, especially if you're a nascent brand or your budget is limited. Uh, so you want to work with somebody who already knows who those retailers are, or you just do your own homework. Mm-hmm. And the way you do your homework is, does the dispensary have a cooler already on the showroom floor? Yes. Is there a lot of drinks in there, meaning a lot of variety of drinks, mm-hmm. not just two or three types of drinks. Cause as you know, Sid, you go into a convenience store, there's like 300, 400 skews in a tiny room. Right. Yeah. Uh, so make sure the retail already gets beverage. I don't sp- I don't invest my time in talking retailers into beverage that don't see it and don't see the beverage consumer, not because I'm not passionate about it, but only because I'm one person. So common objection you get is space. Um, So if it's space, unfortunately, you're probably going to have to displace a beverage in the cooler already. So just ask them how all the beverages are performing and you're likely to find one that the retailer says is a slow mover and they're not getting support from the brand. So that is your opportunity to come in and give them support. And support is going to be a unique question delivered by the retailer. Um, The other common one you'll get is there's a lot of retailers in California that have been around 10, 20 years. um, So they started as a medical only facility. So Mm -hmm. they're used to people going in there that have real medical needs for cannabis. So I'm saying that all to say it's a very heavy user walking in there. So, uh, usually when I talk to those retailers, they'll tell me their customer is only interested in high potency products at low prices, but you look around, I'm going to see a zero milligram drink somewhere in that, sh- in that store. Or I'll ask the person who's the buyer themselves, like what type of drinks do you drink? Hmm. And if they drink kombucha, it's, they're probably paying anywhere from four to $6 for a kombucha that has zero milligrams of THC in there. And why am I asking that? it's starting in the frame of mind that these are beverages first and foremost with cannabis in it so 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 it's either space or they they think sales are going to be slow uh, and it's up to you to give them a lot of support to, to make sure that the sales are going to be where, they are, where you expect them to be. And if you're new, you don't have data to back that up. So it's going to be a lot of you personally doing there, sitting into the retail establishment and talking to their consumers to make sure you're getting feedback and that the product is moving, especially when you get initial placement.
1: What sort of assurance are you giving retailers that it's gonna move, right? Like in in, in wine store, I can say that, hey, I'll come Friday and Saturday and do the store tastings and make sure, you know, I'll help you with some depletions. Uh, In what ways can you give sort of uh, an assurance to a dispensary, you know, on depletion, if there are any?
0: Yeah, so there's, uh, it depends on the dispensary and the local municipality, Mm -hmm. but in, in like Palm Springs, for example, we can make cannabis cocktails on site in a lot of dispensaries there. Mm -hmm. And and for brands I've represented, um, we've had a lot of success uh, with us sending. uh, I I have some people that have converted to selling cannabis drinks from the traditional alcohol industry Mm -hmm. that are premium mixologists. So if I send somebody there and they're making cannabis cocktails, Nobody goes up to them and says, what's the potency in this? They just mm. want to enjoy a cocktail because nobody asks what the ABV is in the cocktail, right? Yeah. Um, so if we can make cocktails on site, then I can sell a product all day. Now, if you walk into a dispensary and it's set up like an Apple store uh, mm. where everything is behind jewelry cases, you can't touch the merchandise, they don't have a cooler on the floor, and the product just lives on the iPad as a digital image, then honestly, the only way I am going to get sales is probably through heavy promotions and discounting so if you give them the, the dispensary that assurance then they can do uh co-promotion on social media or however they currently market their specials so so the two easiest ways is for you to make cocktails on site which is my favorite way to do it uh, or heavy discounting and promotions
1: got it and uh you know when a re- dispensary says hey you're, you know Paula, your products aren't moving it's, it's a slope mover you know uh, how do you sort of uh analyze that and You know, I I guess you you would be doing the same thing that, right? Like, hey, dispensary, can I just get into some promotion and get it going for you? Uh, But are there cases where, you know, retailers uh, say, and then are payments related to that performance? Or if there are terms like in alcohol where 30 days they have to pay you, you know, or it's just like purely your term, my term, and let's see how the boost goes.
0: Yeah. So uh, a lot of times if you're a new product, they'll pretty much demand terms. Um, I've seen them ask for as many as 90 day terms. Mm. And right now it's, it's the reality that retailers in California specifically well, all over, because we are limiting the number of licenses we give out, they hold a lot of power. So mm. basically if you're a new brand and they ask for terms, do you want to get into the store? You have to meet the terms. Um, so I have given, um, guarantees in the past where after 90 days, uh, if the product still hasn't moved, I'll just yeah. buy back the inventory myself. Yeah. And then when you as the brand buy back the inventory, you can always use that for sampling. So it's kind of a no lose proposition if you um, are able to do something like that.
1: Got it. Uh, let's go on the sales rep side, Paula. You know, uh, what are your tips for hiring a good sales rep for cannabis? Uh, for example, like you know, I have, I don't know whether a cannabis knowledge is required or a good thing when you go out and sell. So maybe that tells me that is our butt tenders good for you know hiring a sales reps and so on you know what what's your take on you know based on your experience what kind of characteristics you've seen that doing good
0: yeah so for anybody in the industry they need a ton of resilience mm-hmm. um and they have to have an authentic reason as to why they're passionate about cannabis um just i want to make money isn't good enough for this industry so um you know so normally my... you
1: you would say a user is a good idea like if they're personally a user it's a good idea too
0: you know i yeah. guess yeah Yeah, I I definitely think you have to be a user of cannabis to be a successful cannabis sales rep today. Mm. Um, But, uh, you know, it's when we're talking about beverages, it's a lot different sale than selling flour or concentrates traditional products. Um, So sales reps in cannabis that have never sold anything else before, Mm. they they lean a lot on their experience, their network and their relationships. Um, But now if you're having to sell a non-believer on beverages, they're just not going to take a chance just because they're friends with them. Um, so, if it's cannabis beverages, I, lo- I would look for somebody honestly, like myself, who has sold at CPG. Um, they are determined and resilient. They are. They do want to make a name for themselves in the cannabis industry. Um, but you can't just come in guns a blazing, talking about why your product's the best, and the retailer doesn't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So you do. You do have to ask a lot of questions because every retailer is different in cannabis too. So. It's just a traditional sales process at that point, but the the you just can't be ultra aggressive as you would be in a traditional CPG startup, let's say.
1: And the dispensaries are mostly, you know, are they owned really by head office or it's like still mom and pop is there? You know, can what that means is can you just go as cold calling and just hey, you know, I'm looking for a buyer or who makes a decision here? Is that still? Because I'm assuming that means still a lot of owners are operating the dispensaries
0: uh it it depends um the biggest chain in california uh well it's probably cookies but cookies itself has multiple franchise owners under Mm -hmm. the cookies name um the biggest one that does consolidated buying i believe is Stizzy, which has about 13 stores uh but so and then within california you have about 800 stores Mm
1: -hmm. so it is
0: still very fragmented Um, it really depends on the region you're calling on um but you can do a lot of cold calling uh, it, it's It was easier to cold call when I joined industry six years ago than it is today. Now there is a lot of gatekeeping. Like, but, What's the question do you ask when you enter? You know, if you're looking to chat and make an appointment. Yeah. So th- that's the first question is what's your buying process? And typically they will say you have to make an appointment. A lot of times they'll give you an email to send information to that will probably go unanswered. So once I, I like to physically show up, I'm, I'm a pers- people person. Um, so even if I don't talk to the decision maker there, it's still an opportunity for me to be a detective.
1: Mm. So
0: I look I look around the store, are they already selling drinks? That's what I want to answer when I'm in the store, meaning answer to myself. Um, and then if you see something odd in the store, like the THC sex lube, THC hot sauce, THC marshmallows, THC pop rocks, mm. I, w- I would ask a butt tender, anyone I can talk to that works there about the product. Because it at least tells you the dispensary is open to, let's say, Hmm. niche niche products, right? And then you can ask them how that product got in there. And maybe they'll say they own the product. Then that doesn't really help you much, but you kind of will learn a little bit there. But if they tell you about the process to get the product into the store, then you're Mm -hmm. starting to hear the thought process of how to get a product like cannabis beverages into that retailer. So uh, eventually you will find out who the right person is to talk to. And if you've done enough homework and detective work, you will get through to them, but be prepared for to get seven eight nos or seven eight no replies before you finally get your product in the door. Super, follow. So, just one last question here. You know,
1: uh, what, what are what is a good uh, sales uh, deck, right? A sales presentation, like in in our wine. Let's say, if a sales rep normally carries a wine bag, where six samples are there, and uh, you know there is a brand deck when they're pitching, which shows them case cards, you know, shelf talkers, like actual merchandising, and so on, and then there is a price uh, page what what kind of things are there when a cannabis presentation is made you know what, what do you recommend is the best
0: yeah so more and more i'm seeing people go digital in this industry and it's probably oh, true okay. of other in the uh, industries so i just like to make a quick one page pdf that has all your different SKUs on there and just three or four bullet points at most but most of the real estate should be an image image on the pdf uh most of the real estate should be an image on the pdf that just kind of tells the whole brand ethos in one image, which is easier mm-hmm. said than done, right? But what's cool is you can um, make virgin products with no cannabis in it and just hand those out for people for flavor. So if you can, if you have the budget for it, ideally you leave a case of those in the break room for the bud tenders and retailer buyers to enjoy. Um, because believe it or not, like I said, everyone drinks liquid. So if they like your drink just for the flavor of it, then it's a lot easier to sell in the real product. Once you follow back up and ask them how the virgin products work,
1: mm, that's a good one.
0: Anything else you have, Paolo?
1: Here, uh, you know, for any any tips, any closing remarks?
0: Yeah. So my greatest hope is that the uh, a, 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 a story I like to think about is uh, CVS Pharmacy, right? And, and I forgot who told me this, but. Uh, CVS initially opened up as just a pharmacy where you get to get medicine, just like mm-hmm. cannabis retail opened up as a place where you get alternative medicine. Uh, but the good thing about drinks is everybody drinks and you never know when the urge hits them to get drinks and working at Pepsi, I put vending machines in dentist office oil change locations, hair salons, you name it, because again, every place with the real estate for it is a potential place to sell drinks. So now you go into CVS and there's a whole wall of drinks there. And they sell more units of drinks than they probably do pills at the back, which is what they were known for initially. But they invested in the infrastructure for drinks because they saw the revenue potential there. So again, going back to what I've probably said multiple times here, the infrastructure doesn't exist today to support the drinks category. We need more and more distributors that are um, optimizing their operations with beverages in mind. And then we need more retailers that are thinking about coolers and backroom storage. And again, if the distributor is able to service that retailer more frequently, then those the backroom storage isn't going to be as much of an issue. But at the end of the day, I do think cannabis beverages is going to be the largest category in cannabis in terms of units consumed, but that's going to take federal legalization like you touched on earlier. But in between now and then, um, anyone that wants to collaborate on solutions or does want to start a brand of their own, be happy to connect and share the valuable insights and lessons I've learned through my time here. And grateful for collaborations with people like yourself, Sid, that are lending your expertise and traditional alcohol to this nascent category. Appreciate it, man. Where can we find you? You know, just uh, any uh, website,
1: Instagram handle, just throw out some, some places.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm really active on LinkedIn. Um, just search for my name. You'll find me there. I use the hashtag drinkcannabis a lot, uh, which you'll probably find out on Instagram, but Instagram's mainly my journey with my family and uh, is what I use it for the most. Uh, I do have my website, drinkcannabis.club, which hasn't been updated as much as I want just because consulting has been a boom. But, uh, but no, I'm mainly looking forward to connecting with people at the Cannabis Beverage Expo. So hopefully they hear this before then, but if not, see you next year.